In UX design, color theory is likely the most essential visual element. It has the ability to affect our emotions as well as our spending habits. On a website, the appropriate color palette can boost conversions and overall customer pleasure. The improper color scheme has the opposite effect. Understanding color theory principles like as the color wheel, multiple color spacks, and how different types of colors evoke different emotiosis a crucial foundation for incorporating colors into your UX designs. Color theory, on the other hand, is both science and art. With skill and experience, there is an intuitive element to producing excellent color palettes. Color wheel. The color wheel is something you might remember from art lessons. It's a circular representation of color hues that shows how primary, secondary, and tertiary colors are related. When it comes to developing color schemes and palettes, it's a great tool. The color wheel traditionally has 12 hues, 3 primary colors, 3 secondary colors, and 6 tertiary colors. The color wheel was originally presented by Sir Isaac Newton in his book Optics in 1704. Additive Color Model the additive color model is the most often utilized in the design world because it is what digital displays utilize. Red, green, and blue are the primary colors in an additive color model RGB. The term additive alludes to the fact that the outcome gets lighter when more colors are added to the mix, eventually reaching white when all colors are combined. For his experiments on light and the color spectrum, James Clerk Maxwell is often regarded as the father of additive color and creating the first color photograph. Subtractive color. A subtractive color model is made out of pigments, inks, paints, or dyes that are mixed together. It's called subtractive because each new hue adds less light to the mix, making it deeper and closer to black. The subtractive color paradigm in art is based on the primary colors red, yellow, and blue, which most of us learned as children. However, in printing and design, the subtractive color model is built on cyan, magenta, and yellow, as these three colors can properly reproduce more colors, along with a key color, generally black. Warm color. Love, fire, passion, and strong emotions are all connected with warm hues. These are the colors you'd see in a stunning sunset, a rainbow of reds, oranges, and yellows in all their shades. Warm colors were first introduced to the art world by Irish poet Oliver Goldsmith in the 18th century. Warm hues, especially when employed in their purest form, can be strong. They can bring vitality and enthusiasm to a design when used as accent colors. If not balanced in other ways, they can be overpowering when utilized in broad swaths. They have a significant impact on any design in any circumstance. Cool color. Cool hues are frequently used in branding. Blue is the most popular color on the planet, as it is the only basic cool color. Green and purple, in all of their varieties, are two more cool hues. The concept of cold hues was first introduced in 1708 by French art historian Roger de Piles. Cool colors can be found in nature, such as in water, the sky, and plants. These hues induce thoughts of calmness and relaxation, as well as loyalty and trust, thus their popularity in branding. In UX design, blue is also frequently connected with text links. Neutral colors. Using solely warm and cool hues to produce an aesthetically pleasing design is difficult. This is where the use of neutral colors comes into play. 
black, white, gray, and various shades of brown, which is essentially a diluted form of orange one reason it's considered the hottest of the neutral hues, are among the most subtle of the lot. For typography, dark gray and black are the most frequent colors for body text, and backgrounds, neutral colors are popular. They might be overpowering if used incorrectly, but they can also be used to draw attention to accent colors in your design. Your UX designs can be made more sophisticated by using neutral hues. Color Palette A color palette is created by combining colors from one or more of these groups. Warm colors create dynamic feelings, cool colors create calming feelings, neutrals can be used to enhance or soften either of those or to create sophisticated feelings. In the digital world, a color palette is a combination of colors that pair well and create a desired mood or feeling warm colors create dynamic feelings, cool colors create calming feelings, neutrals can be used to enhance or soften either of those or to create sophisticated feelings. Your users will get a sense of your product or brand's personality if you adopt a consistent color palette. By providing people with a familiar touchpoint, it can help unify disparate goods or offerings across a brand. Color palettes that are consistent are the visual building blocks of your product. Primary colors. Primary colors are the foundation for all other colors, and they can't be created by mixing other colors. Magenta, cyan, and yellow are primary colors in the subtractive color model. Primary colors have a strong aesthetic and psychological impact in design. To avoid being overbearing, they're frequently utilized as accent colors in their pure versions. When you want to make a statement though, sticking to basic colors can help you achieve just that. Secondary colors. When two primary colors are combined, secondary colors are generated. Red, blue, and green are secondary hues in the subtractive color model. They're cyan, magenta, and yellow in the additive model. It's worth noting that the main subtractive colors are transformed into secondary additive colors and vice versa. Despite the fact that both color models work in polar opposite directions, they are inextricably linked. Tertiary colors. When you mix a primary and secondary hue in equal amounts, you get tertiary hues. They contain colors like azure, orange, and violet in both additive and subtractive color models. This is because the primary and secondary hues in the two models are inverted, but include the same six hues. When you mix tertiary colors with primary or secondary colors, you get quaternary colors. Hex. Hex triplets are a typical way to express colors in CSS and are one way to represent RGB colors. Hex colors have a hashtag prefix and usually contain six hexadecimal digits, numbers 0 to 9 and letters AF. The first two digits represent the red value, the second two represent the green value, and the final two represent the blue value. They may also include a fourth set of numbers that reflect the color's opacity or alpha in some circumstances. Three-digit hex colors, with only one digit representing each RGB value, are uncommon. RGB Because electronic displays employ the RGB color model, which stands for red, green, and blue, UX designers most usually work with it. It creates over 16 million colors by combining red, green, and blue lights, 16,777,216 to be exact. RGB is a device-dependent color model, which means RGB values will appear differently on different devices. 
The RGB color paradigm is based on how we perceive color in the light spectrum, and how our eyes see it, based on three different types of light receptive cones in our eyes. Hello all. Today we are going to learn UI fundamental. Typography. Let's start. We engage with typefaces and fonts on a near daily basis, and you're doing so right now. Understanding typography language is essential for communicating about user experience design. A detailed understanding of how typographic concepts function in relation to UX design is beneficial. The ideal typefaces and fonts, combined with good implementation, can have a significant impact on readability and emotional impact. The incorrect typographic choices have a negative impact on the user experience. Typefaces Typefaces and fonts are frequently confused as identical twins, although they are not. A typeface is similar to a parent, while a font is like to a kid. Historically, printers created fonts out of sets of metal letters, characters that were all the same size, weight, and style. Fonts with similar designs are grouped together to form typefaces. Understanding the different types of typefaces available, the moods they can produce, and what they're best for is crucial to properly utilize type to create amazing user experiences. There are anywhere from 5 to 8, or more, different types of typefaces, depending on who you ask. It all depends on how you deconstruct them. Serif typefaces. Serif typefaces have decorative strokes at the ends of letters called serifs. They're one of the oldest font types, dating back to Nicholas Jensen's Roman type in the 1470s. Serifs are a classic typeface that were popularized by early print periodicals. They can give users a sense of class, romanticism, and sophistication because to their lengthy history and widespread use. They're ideal for a product or brand that wishes to project a reputable, trustworthy, and even formal image. Sans Serif Typefaces Sans Serif typefaces are those that don't have ornamental strokes at the ends of the letters. While they appear to be relatively modern, William Caslin IV designed the first Sans Serif typeface, 
Caslin Egyptian, in 1816. They rose to prominence in print advertising and are frequently regarded to be more readable on screen than serif typefaces, but this is a point of contention. Sans serif typefaces are frequently regarded to lack personality in comparison to other typeface types, though this is primarily dependent on the context in which they're employed and the typeface in question. Script typefaces. The most prevalent use of script typefaces is in logos. Think of the Coca-Cola logo for an example. Handwriting and calligraphy are the roots of script typefaces. Script typefaces come in a wide range of styles, from very feminine and laid-back to quite formal. They're fine for headlines, titles, and logos, but they're difficult or impossible to read in vast blocks of text or at small sizes. Slab Serif Types Slab serif types, which are bold, thick, and may have either rounded or angular serifs, shook up the entire typography world when they were first launched in the 19th century. Because their blocky designs were more eye-catching than typical serif and sans-serif styles, they were frequently utilized in early newspaper advertisements. Slab serifs have the disadvantage of being difficult to mix with other types because of their enormous, block-like shapes, which can overshadow neighboring type. They're also best suited to shorter chunks of text, like headlines and titles. Display typefaces. Display typefaces are a mishmash of styles that are far from modest. Because they draw inspiration from a variety of typefaces and font styles, show typefaces can be used for almost any occasion or type of design. They first appeared during the Industrial Revolution and were most commonly employed in posters and commercial printing at the time. Display typefaces are often used in headlines and titles in current UX design. They're not recommended for body copy because they're difficult to read at small sizes. Monospace typefaces. Monospace typefaces, such as typewriters or MS-DOS, or typefaces like Courier New, have letters that all take up the same amount of horizontal space. This is in contrast to other types of typefaces, in which each letter has its own proportional spacing based on the character's real width. Monospace typefaces are easier to scan than proportional typefaces, and they're frequently employed for programming since they make it easy to discover errors. However, they are less readable than proportional typefaces in general. Handwriting typeface. A handwriting typeface, like script typefaces, imitates a person's handwriting. They're usually highly informal typefaces that should only be used for creative flair. Handwriting typefaces are ideal for representing a person's signature, for example, on an email newsletter signature, or for brief headlines. As photo typesetting techniques became available in the early 1950s, these typefaces increased in popularity in the mid-20th century. Throughout the 1970s, they were widely employed in advertisement design. Font. Consider your outfit to help you grasp the difference between a font and a typeface. A typeface is a style of clothing from a specific designer, such as a dress, pants, or shirt. A font, on the other hand, is a certain clothing style and size. In a nutshell, a font is a typeface with a specific weight, breadth, and style. Individual sets of metal type were used to print pages in the early days. Because they were made of metal, each size and weight required its own set of characters, known as kinds. Font weight. The thickness of a stroke on a certain typeface is referred to as font weight. The fonts range in weight from thin, also known as hairline or light, to black, 
heavy, with several weights in between. Font weights in CSS can range from 100, thin, to 900, heavy, black. The most prevalent weights, on the other hand, are bold and regular. Regular fonts. Regular fonts are the most emotionally neutral fonts, and most types use them by default. They're a cross between thin and bold fonts, thus they're good for long text portions with a lot of reading. They can be used for things like headlines, though they aren't as prevalent. Bold fonts are the most widely used font weight after normal fonts. With darker and bolder strokes, they stand out from the surrounding text. They're great for adding emphasis where you want to attract the user's attention, or in headlines, because of their capacity to stand out. When choosing strong typefaces for emphasis, be careful not to overdo it. If you try to attract attention to everything, you'll wind up drawing attention to nothing. Bold isn't the only way to draw attention to text. Italic fonts can be used in the same way, albeit they are more subtle. They should, like bold typefaces, be used sparingly for emphasis, perhaps a few words or sentences at a time. So, what exactly are italics? Italic typefaces, also known as oblique typefaces, have a slanting or script-like appearance. They're often used for titles of movies, books, and plays, among other things. Underline text. On the internet, underline text is most typically linked with links. As a result, its use for emphasis has fallen out of favor, as it can be perplexing and frustrating for visitors who attempt to click on what they believe is a link but receive no response. As a result, for emphasis, it's better to use bold or italic typefaces. Strike through is something you're probably already aware with if you've ever gotten a test back from a teacher with your answers crossed out in bright red. This writing style is normally not used for material that is supposed to be read, though it can be found in a few places. The first is on marketing pages, where this method is frequently used to emphasize discounts or promotions, by crossing out the full price or replacing a term with a better one. The second case is when a text repair is done, and instead of deleting the wrong information, authors will utilize strikethrough to keep it visible for the sake of transparency.